and welcome to this special podcast on payments regulation. This is the first of two episodes where we're going to swap notes on payments trends in the UK and Australia. Representing Team UK are Francis Hodgkins and also Johnny Ford, who we're going to hear from in the next episode. And for Team Australia, we're delighted to welcome back to the podcast Nicola Greenberg from Allens. Nicola, I understand you've brought some of your colleagues along. Who have you got with you in Melbourne today? Thanks, Simon. I think we've got a bit of a payments dream team together this morning. Uh, so myself and Karenza Snead are here from the Banking and Financial Services Regulation team. And then we've got Elise Adams, who's from our Technology and TMT team, and Rob Walker, who works in our competition team. So hopefully we'll have all the elements of this discussion covered. That's great. So in this first episode, we're going to focus on buy now, pay later. In the UK, the market for buy now, pay later is relatively new, but it's grown very quickly. Carenza, how does this compare with what you're seeing in Australia? So I think some of the data that's come out in the last 12 months has shown a really quite an exponential increase, both in transaction volumes and um, users. So I think between June 2019 and 2020, there was a 43% increase in transaction volume, which is pretty extraordinary. I mean, I think, you know, we're certainly getting to the stage where, you know, more than a third of the Australian adult population does have one or more forms of a buy now, pay later product. Um, And I think, you know, whether it's uh, hard data or sort of anecdotal information, there does there is sort of a emerging view that for users of buy now pay later in Australia, more often than not, they've got multiple products across multiple providers, um, and you know in in some of the content and some of the um, submissions that are being made to various inquiries, and we can get onto that later. Um, there is a question mark about whether you know the government or, or someone else needs to do more to monitor um, and track the number of um, buy now pay later products that are held by um, customers in Australia. Aside from a couple, most providers don't do credit checking and so there's no um, footprint if you like to show that you know for each customer they hold you know one two or three products here in the uk we've seen the number of people using klarna clearpay or similar providers quadruple during 2020 has the pandemic had a similar impact on the market in australia obviously in australia you know particularly in some states we had hard lockdowns for most of last year and so there was a growth in online transactions and of course that fed a spike in the use of of buy now pay later products for that as well. So I think what we're seeing in Australia is probably pretty consistent with what you're seeing in the UK, but we're probably just a little bit ahead because the the market is somewhat more mature than, than the UK's. Buy now pay later isn't regulated here in the UK because generally providers can benefit from an exemption for interest free short term credit. But a recent review has recommended starting to regulate it in order to protect customers. Nicola, what's the position in Australia? It's a really interesting area. So since 2018, when ASIC published their first report, the industry and the regulators have really been grappling with how to manage such a new market. And as you correctly say, one that's operating in a a number of exemptions for short-term credit with no interest charges. There have been two ASIC reports, a parliamentary inquiry into consumer hardship and a Senate inquiry into fintech. And what has been the result of that is the Senate inquiry concluded in September of last year that the buy now, pay later market was best to self-regulate. 
So that was what led to the creation of the Buy Now Pay Later Code of Conduct, which is still going through various incarnations. And one of the reasons for that is the initial drafts were criticised for being too vague, but also because they left off one of the biggest issues um, for consumers and merchants, which is the bans on merchant surcharging. So that is whether a merchant can pass on the cost of using a buy now pay later product to a consumer. In Australia, one of the most powerful pieces of um, reform that's starting this year is our design and distribution obligations regime. And there was an 11th hour amendment to bring in credit to that um, regime, which will include our buy now pay later providers, and you know, there's a, there's been a big, a really steady and, and quite significant amount of work for all credit and financial services providers to get ready. But um, what what was perhaps a, an interesting development in the last week is that ASIC has has come out publicly and said that they intend to examine the buy now pay later providers as sort of the first cap off the rank um, to determine, I suppose, the success, for want of a better term, of the DDO regime for that sector. You know, as Nick said, the, the sort of pressing hotspot for all of this is this debate about whether or not this sector should be regulated or remain unregulated in Australia. And that's a conversation that's not going away. But I think the DDO is sort of almost a little bit of a circuit breaker in some respects because it will start to give ASIC some insights around well, how, are these, how are these products being sold? What are some of the processes that these providers have in place to assess customers? And then ultimately, what are the complaints and what are the, what's some of the harm that's coming through in the data for those providers? Um, and so, you know, my sense is ASIC starting to take a bit more of a proactive step. They're not going to wait for the conversation around should it be regulated or unregulated to sort of reach a tipping point. They're going to use the regulatory tools that are available to them now to try and really unpack whether or not there is some concerns that need to be addressed. One thing that we know that the UK is concerned about is consumer protection. The Willard Review found that 10% of UK bank customers using buy now pay later are already in arrears. Nicola, are similar concerns being talked about in Australia? Absolutely, Francis. So I think one of the real challenges for buy now pay later providers, as well as being in an uncertain part of the market, is that our general consumer protection regime, so the responsible lending laws, as we call them, have been subject to huge changes coming out of COVID. So what we're seeing proposed by the government and the bill still hasn't gone all the way, so we'll wait and see what happens, is a split in the regulation of responsible lending laws between banks who provide credit and non-bank lenders who provide credit. So the banks will stay subject to prudential standards, which at this stage are much more detailed regarding risk management and consumer assessment. But the non-bank lenders will be able to move towards a principles-based regulatory framework, which is much more forgiving, if I could say that, and allows the non-bank lenders to design their own processes with a bit more ease. So that's quite interesting if you think about potential regulation of buy now, pay later, because that would split the buy now, pay later market as well. We've had some banks recently start to launch or indicate that they're going to launch buy now, pay later like products, but a lot of the benefits including the low touch consumer assessment would be removed if the banks were required to run a buy now pay later product through their 
full prudential risk management standard as compared to the non-banks who are the most who are the largest providers of buy now pay later who could presumably use the principles based regulation which is much more low touch so i think as a as a general concept consumer protection in australia is going to undergo a lot of changes over the next few years and it will be interesting to see how the split between banks and non-bank lenders falls in relation to buy now pay later and whether they can come in under an even more light touch principles based set of regulations because of the lower amounts that consumers are getting from each provider. Rob, do you want to pick up on that from a competition perspective? I think it's fair to say that there's a sentiment um, in that while uh, the consumer protection obligations are obviously important in order to protect consumers, um, it is creating more of a burden for traditional providers of credit. In Australia, we have an, an, a, a process for authorising conduct that might otherwise uh, raise competition law concerns. And that, can be that conduct can be authorised by the ACCC on the basis that the conduct overall has a net benefit for the public. And it's common in particular for industry codes to go through an authorization process before the ACCC because they impose minimum standards um, and potentially restrictive standards on industry participants. And what happened was there was a code that was put forward to the ACCC for authorization that concerned not by now pay later specifically, but the um, standards for selling new energy tech products, so solar panels and batteries. These are generally quite high value products and there was a concern raised that consumers that were using BNPL or being um, sold um, BNPL products were disproportionately um, in arrears or um, not, not being able to meet th those funding obligations. And so what was proposed was effectively to regulate um, the BNPL providers via this code. So to, to take the standards that were in the regulated credit regime and to, as an industry, agree that they would apply to BNPL operators who were working in this sector. Um, now, sceptically, you could look at that as regulation by the back door, and it's not surprising that um, BNPL interests were not um, happy about that code and the fact that it was authorised by the ACCC. So they challenged um, the code. And one of the arguments that was raised by the, the drafters of the code as to why it's important, um, not only from a consumer protection standpoint that BNPL is regulated, but also to bridge the gap with this um, disparity in regulatory regimes that apply to regulated credit versus BNPL. Because the argument was made that um, neutrality from a competition perspective is actually good because it would increase competition. Now, the ALG tribunal um, disagreed and um, actually said that competition neutrality or neutrality from a regulatory perspective is not a benefit in and of itself. And it, it can only be, it, and in particular, can cause a detriment if it means that the way that you're bridging that gap is to introduce regulation that actually causes more harm than good or the introducing regulation where the, the beneficial results of it are not actually certain. Um, so it's, it is an interesting comment in a, in a slightly tangential circumstance as to what 
thinkers or highest thinkers in competition policy and law in Australia, um, how they approach this question as to whether this disparity of, of, of regulatory regimes is actually a problem for the market. So no regulation by the back door there, but maybe more regulatory scrutiny on providers uh, to come in the future. Nicola, what do you see when you look ahead? I think we're going to see a lot more variation and investment in different buy now, pay later products. We've got a really strong market in the traditional products. So now as we have new players, some of the banks, some of the larger providers trying to get into that market, I think we're going to see some changes in the functionality where you've got licensed players offering buy now, pay later products. They've obviously got further to go in terms of the functionality because they're not operating in a small exemption. And then I think if we start to see buy now, pay later becoming more regulated, it will be really interesting to see how fintech providers do the responsible lending credit checking aspect. Traditionally, the banks and the non-bank credit providers have followed a fairly strict protocol and there's not been a huge amount of innovation in the space as we move to a principles-based regulation and some of the more tech-based buy now, pay later providers get closer to regulation, they might make some real changes in how we assess and review consumer um, financial positions. So I think overall, more tweaks, more innovation, but I certainly don't think buy now, pay later is going anywhere. And with that, I think we'll bring our discussion on Buy Now, Pay Later to a close. Thank you very much, Nicola, Rob and Carenza, and also Francis. Please join us for part two, where we'll take a look at some of the other trends in the payments market.